Welcome to the Voice of the Resistance with Doc Washburn. We are the show that pushes back against the Uniparty and lets you in on the news that traditional talk radio is afraid to talk about. The Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. You can email us at contact.docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 163 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Tuesday, May 31st, 2022. How far are some Arkansas politicians willing to go when making up lies? Details coming up in just a moment. But as we begin this program a little bit after 11 a.m. Central on May 31st, we do have some breaking news. Democrat lawyer Michael Sussman, that's right, Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign attorney Michael Sussman, has just been found not guilty on the false statements charge of concealing his representation of Hillary's presidential campaign from the FBI when he pushed since-debunked Trump-Russia claims to the Bureau. Now, the immediate immediate response on that from Julie Kelly, the great Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, she says, we live in a country of two separate and unequal systems of justice, politically charged trials held in a highly partisan city that favors powerful interests tied to the Democrat Party, those connected get a pass, those on the outside get destroyed. That's right. And she links to her column from the other day, Stolen Elections, A Tale of Two D.C. Courtrooms, and we'll get to that uh, momentarily. Now, I want to uh, want to deal with something from yesterday. Um, so Memorial Day was my first podcast, I think, in at least five weeks because I couldn't just keep on running all over the state and running for governor and keep doing a, a podcast five days a week. So thank you and God bless you for Donnie Copeland for filling in. But one of the things I mentioned yesterday, I wanted to talk about what happened when I spoke at the uh, Union County Republican Committee monthly meeting on a Saturday a few weeks before the uh, the primary election. Now, I had been in northwest Arkansas the day before. Spoke at three events on a Friday in northwest Arkansas for a total of about four and a half hours. Left the last one in Rogers, Arkansas, about 930 on that Friday evening. And thanks to my uh, trusty, dependable, loyal driver, Marvin Fisher, got to the hotel in El Dorado, Arkansas, about 2.30 in the morning. And got up Saturday morning and spoke for about five minutes Each of us candidates were allowed about five minutes at the Union County Republican Committee annual meeting there and was grateful for the opportunity. And when you're running 
for governor like I was. And you're given five minutes to speak. You got to make the most of it. This is May 14th. So a week and a half before the primary. You just have to get right to it. And so I talked about the fact that my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, was unwilling to criticize Governor Hutchinson on anything. All the small businesses he had closed down with his uh, dictatorial lockdowns in 2020. His vetoing of the SAFE Act, a bill to outlaw chemical and surgical castrations of children in the state of Arkansas. Talked about the fact that Sarah refused to criticize the Arkansas State Supreme Court saying that school districts in Arkansas could force mask your children from three years old to 12th grade and nothing you as a parent could do about it. Talked about the fact that uh, Sarah refused to criticize Governor Hutchinson for going on ABC this week and saying there should not be a federal law against abortion. It should be left up to state legislatures because he wanted abortions to continue in the big blue states like California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, etc., etc. And I highlighted the fact that if Walmart, Tyson, and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce were for something, Sarah wasn't going to go against it. I said, now remember, there are only two of us running for this Republican nomination for governor, one conservative, one liberal. I'm the conservative, she's a liberal. So, interestingly enough, I noticed while I was talking there was a gentleman sitting at one of the tables who had a very stern look on his face. I didn't know him from Adam. Didn't bother me. But I found out a few minutes later who he was. His name was Matt Stone. He was running for uh, the Republican nomination for state senate of Arkansas. So five or ten minutes later, he got up and said, I just want to say how proud I am of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She's a great American patriot. How proud I am to be endorsed by her. And she sends her regrets. She wishes she could be here at this Union County Republican Committee meeting this morning, but she had a scheduled conflict. And so I sat in my seat laughing that he would tell such a big lie. Because Sarah didn't wish she could be anywhere near us. Sarah doesn't ever go to county Republican party meetings, ever. She didn't want to have 
anything to do with any kind of meeting where she might be asked questions. Where there might be other candidates. Forget it. So it was, it was remarkable to me. that a guy would get up and tell that kind of lie. She sends her regrets. She wishes she could be here. <laughs> so... I went on my uh, on my Twitter and I talked about it, and uh, <laughs> I mean, pardon me. And some Arkansas politicians. got very upset with me for having the gall to speak the truth. One of them called me, uh, one of them said I'd always been a grifter. Uh, now, now again, a guy who... Uh, a guy who'd always been on the government payroll himself saying I was a grifter. Anyway, anyway, I just I just thought I should mention that because it's one of the things I had uh, I had alluded to yesterday. And by the way, if you didn't get a chance to listen to episode 160 162 my memorial day Podcast, the first one I've done in like five or six weeks. There's a lot about the gubernatorial campaign on there. And I realize we have a lot of new listeners. So you might want to go back and check out episode 162 when you get a chance. But I just, I found it remarkable that a guy could be so upset with me for telling the truth that he would get up in front of everybody and say, Sarah wishes she could have been here. Ah, right. Right. Sure. She never, ever goes to meetings like that. Her handlers were terrified of her having to actually answer questions and talk about issues. Anyway, um, before we get into more about the uh, what at this point on a Tuesday morning is breaking news about the not guilty verdict from Michael Sussman in a Washington, D.C. courtroom. And by the way, Bonchi over at Red State says the idea that we try government corruption and related cases in Washington, D.C., in a city that votes 95% for one side is absolutely absolutely insane. Yes, yet that's, uh, that's what we do. 
We'll get to more of that coming up, but I, I need to, uh, need to share with you what my friend Colonel Conrad Reynolds is saying out there on Facebook. He says, the fight is not over as I work to get donations to pay off the $40,000 in campaign debt. I'm still looking into what happened in the primary. There are some things that just don't add up. There is definitely enthusiasm on the streets to get rid of the status quo politicians in Arkansas. The ballot box somehow ended up with a record number of people voting for the establishment candidates in a year of anti-establishment sentiment. Have you thought about that? Because I sure have. Conrad Reynolds' Facebook post continues, Things just don't match what we all saw as we went through our neighborhoods and talked to friends, family, co-workers, and communities. They also didn't match our polling. We knew French Hill would lose 60 to 40, possibly even 70 to 30, if people learned about his record, and we, all, and we know they all found out with our last-minute push. The narrative being pushed is that 100,000 Democrats crossed over and voted in the Republican primary. If that's the case, the Republican Party of Arkansas should immediately move to close the primary where only Republicans can choose our November nominees. But here, here is my problem with that narrative. Why would 100,000 Democrats come vote for Sarah Huckabee Sanders? They despise her and would probably want to have Doc Washburn running in November against Democrat nominee Chris Jones. Speaking of a Jones, if 100,000 Democrats crossed over and voted in the Republican primary, why didn't they vote for Leon Jones Jr. over Tim Griffin? Leon is not the Trump-endorsed candidate in that race, and Tim Griffin painted him out to be a liberal. Well, yeah, he voted for Obama twice. So you tell me Democrats are going to cross over and say, forget our guy, we want Tim Griffin, the guy that Trump endorsed. Makes no sense whatsoever. Conrad Reynolds' Facebook post continues, why did 100,000 Democrats come out and vote for Trump-endorsed candidates? It would be like 100,000 Republicans deciding to cross over to vote for Hillary-endorsed candidates just because they want to say in an election. The logic doesn't add up. He said in 2014, French Hill got 29,000 votes, which had been the previous high for a primary without a presidential race. My campaign ended up with 35,000 votes this year. That would have been enough to win 70 to 30, 70% to 30% in any other midterm Republican primary in the 2nd District. But French Hill somehow ended up with 49,000 votes. The fight is not over. We want the truth and nothing short of that. He says we need to make people feel comfortable with voting and that everything was done the right way. Right now, we have two specific demands. Number one, close the Republican primary. Number two, stop using ES and S voting machines. He says, if you'd like to help us retire our debt, you can still donate, and he has the link there. Now, 
I think I'm going to go ahead and share this on my Facebook page before I forget about it. Now, I got I to gotta change over from my, from my personal Facebook page to the Doc Washman Show Facebook page because I've got like 50% more 50% more uh, followers on the Doc Washburn Show Facebook page than I do on my uh, personal Facebook page. So let's uh, click on the link to the post. Oh, it won't let me. Interesting. Once again, let's click on the link to the post. And there we go. And bring it over to the Doc Washburn Show Facebook page. And I'm just going to simply put, read this, his logic is irrefutable. Now, I've been getting a lot of Facebook messages from folks saying, hey, we sure hope you run again for something, et cetera, et cetera. And I appreciate your kind words. That That's a long way off. I have no idea if I'm going to ever run for anything again. I, I, I didn't want to do this. Um, but when Jan Morgan told me after I said no, look, you don't get it. They're about to steal our country. We're about to lose our country. And good people like you need to stand up and run for office. You need to talk to your wife and pray about it. And I talked to my wife and we prayed about it. And then 24 hours later, I met with 10 or 11 people whose judgment I trusted because the Proverbs say there's wisdom in the abundance of counselors, and after two and a half hours of unanimous, we hope you do this, one thing led to another. Um, I don't know if it's ever going to be God's plan for me to run for office again. What I do know is that we proved when we were able to explain to people the distinction between Sarah the liberal and me the conservative, overwhelming percentage of people we explained that to flipped from supporting her to supporting me. So as one of my campaign managers, uh, Scott Gray, said, if we'd had a little bit more money, a little bit more time, you would have been the nominee because on the issues, you, you, you beat her hands down. The problem was name recognition and people thinking, oh, well, she worked for Trump. Having no idea that she, you know, backed people who um, stabbed him in the back. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of that. I want to uh, want to take a look at this situation. I want to take a look at the situation with Sussman. Um, because you know they're uh, the 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 juries in Washington D.C. 
are, <laughs> if you're going to run again, you better start fundraising now. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm, I'm not going to start fundraising for anything. Um, I have no idea if I'm gonna, ever going to run again. Uh, juries in Washington, D.C., which are 93% Democrat, are finding people who happen to be at the Capitol on January 6th with no weapons, people who committed no violence, engaged in no vandalism, they're, they're throwing them in jail. They're throwing them in jail. Why? Because they're Trump supporters. So the idea that anybody thought that anybody was going to find a Clinton campaign attorney guilty of what he clearly did, lying to the FBI today, it's uh, inconceivable. Inconceivable. Anyway, um, but I, I, I want to get to what's going on in D.C., something that, by the way, none, none of the people we send to Washington, D.C. ever talk about. There's no concern for the political prisoners, people held without bail for 16 months, who aren't even charged with committing any crimes of violence simply because they're Trump supporters. You know who never talks about it? Your U.S. Senators, John Bozeman and Tom Cotton, and also the U.S. Representatives from the state of Arkansas, never talk about the political prisoners, French Hill, Rick Crawford, Bruce Westerman, or Steve Womack. Just not a concern. So we're going to talk about that coming up here. There's a lot, lot of stuff to talk about today. As the Doc Washburn Show continues, and as we always, always, always express our appreciation for our advertisers who make it possible for us to do what we do. If you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions and then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, RedRiverYourWay.com. You will be glad you did. 
We talk a lot about pushing back against the overreach of the federal government. What better example would there be than Obamacare? Are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you need to go to a website called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. And then that big, beautiful red button that says Schedule Call Now. You click on the red button. You book a free consultation with my friend, Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, and he also makes sure that your personalized health coverage gives you a plan that doesn't force you to cover things like abortion, horrible things which would deeply offend your deeply held religious beliefs. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums. Personalized health coverage. Low to no deductible. No co-pays. Click the big red button, schedule a call now, book a free consultation with Art Wilborn. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. All right, let me ask you this. Does your financial advisor take the time to listen and get to know you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situations change? When you work with Jonathan Presswood... He focuses on what's important to you. He uses an established process to help you achieve your unique goals, whether that's preparing for retirement, making your money last in retirement, planning your estate or inheritance, preparing for the unexpected, or anything else. Jonathan Presswood can help. Now, what should you do if you leave a job and have a 401K or other retirement plan? Or if you're getting close to retirement or already in retirement? Call my friend Jonathan Presswood today. He'll help you create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And he'll partner together with you to help your strategy stay on track no matter what life throws at you. Listen, we can all dream of having a perfect retirement, but how many of us will actually experience it? No matter where you are today, Jonathan Presswood is offering a free retirement analysis to figure out where you'd like to be and what it will take to get you there, and there's no obligation. Contact Jonathan Presswood, a financial advisor with Edward Jones Investments, today at 501-303-4844. Again, that's 501-303-4844. Don't wait. Call Jonathan Presswood today at 501-303-4844. Now, if you're like me, you can't remember phone numbers, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com. Just click on the link to Jonathan Presswood at Edward Jones. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. All right, thank you, Jonathan. And thank you, Art, and thank you, Mitch Ward over at Red River. We appreciate you guys very much. All right, uh, let's take a look. Let's take a look at the whole concept of the judicial system in Washington, D.C., and what's being done. Okay, the great Julie Kelly the other day 
article entitled Stolen Elections, A Tale of Two D.C. Courtrooms. She says, The Elijah Barrett Pretty Man Courthouse in Washington, D.C. is center stage this month to two competing tales of stolen presidential elections. In the courtroom of U.S. District Court Judge Christopher Cooper, federal prosecutors have presented a detailed account of the greatest scandal in U.S. political history. The conspiracy of the country's most powerful interests to fabricate the Trump-Russia collusion hoax in order to sabotage Donald Trump before the 2016 election. Michael Sussman, a lawyer formerly employed at Perkins Coie, the influential law firm that funded the infamous Steele dossier on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the Democrat National Committee, is on trial for lying to the FBI. Sussman is accused of presenting phony data alleged to prove a connection between Trump and a Russian bank to the department just weeks before Election Day 2016. The sinister collaboration exposed years ago by reporters and bloggers on the right, but now confirmed by special counsel John Durham's investigation, involved Democrat Party honchos, including the candidate herself, Hillary, top officials at the Justice Department, who used the dossier as evidence for a warrant to spy on Trump's campaign, FBI officials and informants, the CIA, and, of course, the national news media. Russia's interference in the 2016 election to rig the outcome in favor of Trump was accepted as truth, not just by the same interests responsible for the hoax, but by tens of millions of Americans. Roughly half the country openly refused to accept the fact that Trump won fair and square. Media-fueled accusations that the new president and Russian president Vladimir Putin stole the election prompted the appointment of special counsel Robert Mueller in May 2017, a move supported by most Republicans in Washington. Trump's first two years in office were severely hobbled by the nonstop collusion drama as Robert Mueller's team systematically rounded up Trump allies on unrelated charges to produce breaking headlines and speculation that Trump would be the next one in handcuffs. Even after Robert Mueller in 2019 finally admitted his prosecutors found no evidence of election-altering collusion, 84% of Democrats still believed Trump had been in cahoots with the Russians. For four years, Democrats proudly displayed, quote, not my president hashtags, unquote, on social media platforms. And to this day, Hillary Clinton insists the 2016 election was not on the level. But that sort of talk has not been designated the big lie by the news media or criminalized by the Justice Department. Any suggestion that the 2016 election was rigged or stolen remains safely under the purview of protected speech and in many quarters is still considered an indisputable fact. Not so for those who doubt the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, which is why just a few floors below Judge Cooper's courtroom 
Timothy Hale is on trial for his participation in the protest of the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. While the wheels of justice turn excruciatingly slowly for Trump-Russian collusion schemers such as Michael Sussman, the government has moved at lightning speed to round up dissidents of the Biden regime. More than 800 Americans who protested Biden's election on January 6 face criminal charges. The Justice Department continues to announce new arrests every week. Unlike Michael Sussman, who walked free for five years following the commission of his alleged crime, Timothy Hale has been in jail under pretrial detention orders for more than 16 months. Yet Hale's alleged offenses were far less damaging to the country than the crimes Sussman and his accomplices are accused of committing. On January 6, Tim Hale, an Army reservist, drove to Washington, D.C. after working the night shift at a New Jersey naval station to hear President Trump speak. Later that afternoon, Hale walked to Capitol Hill. He entered the Capitol building around 2.14 p.m. through a set of open doors. Hale didn't carry any weapon. He didn't assault anybody. On at least two occasions, Hale is seen interacting with police officers who did not attempt to arrest either him or those around him. After 40 minutes, Hale exited the Capitol building and drove back to New Jersey in time to start his night shift again. One week later, after his roommate agreed to secretly record a conversation for NCIS, Tim Hale was arrested by at least a dozen armed FBI agents. His roommate subsequently was paid $4,000 by NCIS for producing the two-hour recording. Since then, Biden's Justice Department has devoted untold human and financial resources to prosecute Tim Hale, who was indicted on four misdemeanors and one obstruction felony. Federal taxpayers have paid to keep Tim Hale, who has no criminal record, incarcerated at a gulag in Washington, D.C., set aside for Trump supporters. Numerous prosecutors, assistants, law enforcement officers, tech experts, private contractors, and witnesses spent over a year building the case against Navy reservist Tim Hale. A jury last week finally heard all the evidence in the courtroom of Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee responsible for keeping Tim Hale behind bars since last spring. But prosecutors spent more time litigating Hale's political views than arguing his guilt related to his nonviolent excursion through a public building on January 6, 2021. During testimony Wednesday of last week by an FBI agent, prosecutors asked the witness to identify Hale in a clip of video taken inside the building. The agent pointed out that Hale was one of the men carrying a Trump flag. With that, the prosecutor handed the agent a large box containing a government exhibit. The agent pulled the item from the box and showed it to be and showed it to the jury. It was a Trump 2020 flag. Now there was no reason to show jurors, residents of a city that voted nearly 94% for Joe Biden, a Trump 2020 flag. It wasn't used as a weapon. Didn't even belong to Tim Hale. He picked it up off the ground on his way out. The government's only purpose was to dramatically remind the D.C.-based jury that the defendant supported 
Donald Trump. Prosecutors then grilled Tim Hale's roommate, who used the pseudonym Mike Jacobs at trial, about Hale's political views. Jacobs told the jury that Hale believed the election was stolen. The threat to America, Hale believed, was inward, not outward, Jacobs explained. Big Tech and the Republican Party also earned Tim Hale's enmity. But this testimony, just like the Trump flag, had nothing to do with Tim Hale's alleged criminal criminal conduct on January 6, 2021. Prosecutors weren't attempting to convince the jury that Tim Hale was guilty of trespassing or obstructing an official proceeding. In the eyes of Joe Biden's Justice Department, Tim Hale is guilty of the unforgivable crime of voting for Donald J. Trump. Jurors in both cases were expected to begin deliberations last Friday. Unfortunately for Hale, D.C. juries have returned unanimous guilty verdicts on all counts in record time for January 6th protesters. Regardless of the verdicts for Michael Sussman and Tim Hale, it's increasingly clear Americans continue to live in two separate and unequal systems of government. One side enjoys a protracted legal process that ultimately results in a slap on the wrist, favorable or buried news coverage, and a sympathetic jury pool, among other benefits. The other side is hunted, incarcerated, and humiliated, left to the non-existent mercies of a ruling class that views them with palpable contempt. A stolen election for thee, but not for me. And that's Julie Kelly, political commentator and senior contributor to American Greatness. The article entitled Stolen Elections, A Tale of Two D.C. Courtrooms. I got to tell you, there is unequal Unequal justice. You know what I'm saying? Unequal justice in America. Michael Sussman has been acquitted. A D.C. jury protects its own and destroys those who aren't. Yeah, um, I want to take a look at uh, the great technofog over in Sub- Substack has a uh, has an article about the acquittal of Michael Sussman, and uh, we got to take a look at that coming up because this is important. Also, also, we're going to take a look at the fact that the overwhelming majority of United States senators, Republican and Democrat, want to give the FBI a whole lot more money. And the fact that FBI Director Christopher Wray testified recently in front of the U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee and what none, none of the senators asked him, including U.S. Senator John Bozeman from Arkansas, who's on the Appropriations Committee. A lot of stuff still to to delve into here. As the voice of the resistance with Doc Washburn continues, let me once again express how thankful we are to our advertisers. I want to mention a couple of them to you. They make it possible for us to do what we do. 
like my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton. Now, Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he has sure helped me out with the three automobile accidents I've been in since 2019. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton... Make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you or a loved one is suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. Hey, I'd like to help you with some health issues. Do you have migraines? Neck pain, back pain, vertigo, acid reflux, eczema, problems with your blood sugar, maybe even hay fever. Okay, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Are you tilting your head to the left or the right instead of sitting up or standing up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes... You probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, neck pain, and hay fever. Let me explain to you how it works because it's the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system reproductive system, circulatory system, even digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, acid reflux, eczema, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar. Do yourself a favor. If you're in Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted, because you probably do. If you're outside Central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on Find a Doctor Near You. And I sure hope you can. All right, thank you very much. Got Dr. Crabtree, Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, and also our friend, Attorney Justin Menton. Appreciate that. Let's... Um, Let's look at what happened recently when FBI Director Christopher Wray appeared before the U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee. What did they want to do? What did they ask him and what did they not ask him? What 
didn't come anywhere near their frame of reference. Now, again, U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee, that would include Senator John Bozeman from Arkansas. Julie Kelly has the receipts. Pardon me. Chris Ray testified before the Senate Appropriations Committee last Wednesday. Not a single senator asked Christopher Ray about the Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer kidnapping hoax and the fact two defendants were acquitted after defense attorneys persuaded the jury that the men had been entrapped by the FBI the day before Chris Ray explained why his agency needs a $10 billion, with a B, dollar budget. The FBI claimed it foiled an ISIS plot to assassinate George W. Bush. The day after Chris Ray testified, Justice Department announced it would not pursue charges against FBI agents who botched the investigation into Dr. Larry Nasser. Remember that? They had the evidence that he was molesting teenage girls, Olympic gymnasts, and they sat on it. They did nothing with it for over a year until a newspaper finally broke the story. And they will not be brought up on charges, the FBI agents who refuse to do anything about it. They will not be brought up on charges. So, a short op-ed from Julie Kelly that dropped yesterday at American Greatness entitled, No Senate Republicans, the FBI Does Not Deserve a Raise. And she says, the day before FBI Director Chris Ray explained to a Senate Appropriations Subcommittee why his department deserves a five $128 million raise next year. His agents were credited with foiling an ISIS-linked plot to assassinate George W. Bush. An Iraqi national was arrested May 25th and charged with attempting to smuggle four other Iraqis into the U.S., then murder the former president in retaliation for the war in Iraq. She said, I'll address the sketchiness of the story in a separate column. Oh, I don't doubt that she did. The timing for Chris Ray was suspiciously fortuitous. Appointed by Donald Trump in 2018 to lead the scandal-ridden FBI, Chris Ray continues to promote the unsubstantiated notion that domestic terrorists, in other words, Trump voters, pose a lethal threat to national security. For nearly a year and a half, armed FBI agents across the country have raided, interrogated, and arrested more than 800 Americans on mostly nonviolent offenses related to January 6, 2021. A four-hour protest that Chris Ray considers an act of domestic terror. Then, right before FBI Director Chris Ray went hat in hand to Congress to ask for a budget boost, headlines blared the news that his department 
thwarted a plan tied to a legitimate terrorist organization overseas? Color me skeptical. If he gets his way, Chris Ray will control a $10.7 billion budget next year. A $1.4 billion increase over 2020 and nearly 37,000 employees. Meanwhile, the American people have lost trust in the nation's top law enforcement agency. A recent poll revealed 64% of Republicans and 46% of independents consider the FBI Joe Biden's personal Gestapo. Even 30% of Democrats agree, presumably more as a bragging point than a source of alarm. Chris Ray, however, appears unconcerned with his department's poor reputation. So, too, are Republican lawmakers. Not a single Republican senator grilled Chris Ray about the FBI-concocted scheme to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer in 2020, an operation that involved at least a dozen undercover FBI agents and informants working out of numerous FBI offices and required approval from top FBI officials in Washington, D.C., A Michigan jury last month acquitted two men charged with conspiring to abduct and kill Governor Whitmer after defense attorneys successfully argued their clients were entrapped by the FBI. The jury could not reach a verdict for two other men. Biden's Justice Department has announced plans to retry that case. No one asked Chris Wray how his agents missed Peyton Gendron The man responsible for the massacre in Buffalo, May 14th, despite a wide online footprint, a history of threatening behavior, and reports that the killer communicated with a former federal agent prior to the attack. Republicans also gave Chris Ray a pass on the targeting of parents at school board meetings, the whereabouts of Hunter Biden's laptop, which the FBI took possession of, in December 2019, and any investigation of its contents, repeated violations to FBI policies on investigations of political interests, and the raid of Project Veritas's James O'Keefe to Stonewall, another Joe Biden family scandal. The botched FBI investigation into serial rapist Dr. Larry Nasser, longtime physician for the women's USA gymnastics team, only earned a glancing mention. Thirteen victims have filed a lawsuit against the FBI seeking $176 million in damages. Chris Ray feigned ignorance when Republican Senator Jerry Moran, Kansas, asked whether the two FBI agents primarily responsible for mishandling the Larry Nasser matter would face criminal prosecution the very next day. Justice Department announced it would not pursue charges against the agents, insisting that the principles of federal prosecution require more to bring a federal criminal case, even though both agents lied to federal investigators during an internal inquiry. Senator Moran and Senator Blumenthal of Connecticut immediately issued a statement calling the decision infuriating. Only one senator confronted Chris Ray about the FBI's lost credibility. Senator John Kennedy, Republican Louisiana, told Chris Ray, there are millions of Americans who look at this and think, I'm not saying they're correct that the FBI has become a political organization and at some point 
you're going to have to address that. I think at the right time, you're going to have to address this and assure the American people that the rot is gone. But the rot is festering. After facing no consequences for any number of illicit scandals over the past several years, Chris Ray's FBI is emboldened to act as the enforcement arm of the Democrat Party. One has to look no further than the scummy FBI agents and informants responsible for the Governor Whitmer kidnapping hoax, another FBI attempt to interfere in a presidential election and sabotage Donald Trump. Chris Ray will not excise the rot that infests the FBI from top to bottom. Therefore, the task falls to Senator Kennedy, his Senate colleagues, and House Republicans. But there's no indication that that will happen. Senators last week should have hammered Chris Ray for using his authority for flagrant partisan purposes from entrapping innocent Americans to produce damaging headlines for Trump right before the 2020 election, to spying on parents protesting race and gender-related school policies. They should be hammering him, not handling him with kid gloves. But that's exactly what happened. In one gushing exchange during the hearing, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican of South Carolina, the former chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee who promised and failed for years to get to the bottom of the FBI's political-motivated investigation into Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Lindsey Graham and Chris Ray flutter with the idea of giving the FBI even more money than the proposed budget request. Y'all remember Lindsey Graham, don't you? He's been coming on Sean Hannity's program on Fox News Channel for years saying, now, Sean, wait and see. We're going to get to the bottom of it, Sean. Wait and see. Graham noted that the FBI's budget increase is below the rate of inflation. So he asked Chris Ray, after listening to you and everything you say is legitimate concern, you have a lot to do. Do you think the committee should look at increasing your budget? Chris Ray, who replied that he would welcome any additional resources and promise the funds would be put to good use. Yeah, no doubt. Of course, of course, the FBI does not deserve a raise. Instead, its headquarters should be raised, R-A-Z-E-D, and the Bureau completely overhauled, if not abolished. It repeatedly has failed to protect the most vulnerable, including young Olympic gymnasts and grade schoolers while deploying its destructive powers against American citizens for political reasons. Unfortunately, Republicans in Washington don't have the stomach for such a battle. But denying the FBI's big money grab next year should be a no-brainer. Rewarding the FBI with a half billion in tax dollars would not just, just be a slap in the face to Republican voters, but also to every victim of the FBI's shoddy, unaccountable practices. Will Republicans find the backbone to partially rein in this rogue agency? Sadly, the answer probably is no. Well, John Bozeman certainly won't. Senator John Bozeman, who is on 
that U.S. Senate Appropriations Committee. Oh, no. No, no. He wasn't going to ask Chris Ray, any embarrassing questions? Probably. Part of the problem is probably because John Bozen is so out of touch. He's not even aware of what the problem is. Not even aware of what the problem is. So, it looks like it's uh, about that time of day. I-, I love saying it. Hit it, Brian. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you in part by Red River Your Way dot com. Red River Your Way, a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in Freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to. Online. Have it delivered to your front door wherever you live. In the 48 states, the continental USA. Now, this is one of those two-step deals. White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates is linking to a screenshot of an NBC News story. Dateline Washington. Faced with a worsening political predicament. I'm never going to call this guy president. Usurper Joe Biden is pressing aides for a more compelling message and a sharper strategy while bristling at how they've tried to stifle the plain-speaking persona that has long been one of his most potent assets. Biden is rattled by his sinking approval ratings and is looking to regain voters' confidence that he can provide the sure-handed leadership he promised during the campaign, people close to the president say. The White House official denied that Biden is feeling frustrated. This person said, quote, what he's pushing for is to make a sharper case for all that we have accomplished thus far. Well, taking the country down the tubes, is that what you're talking about? So White House Deputy Press Secretary Andrew Bates says the breathlessness of these paragraphs versus the denial being relegated to paragraph 28 tells you what you need to know about this story. And as we said before, no clarifications of the president's remarks are ever issued without his direct approval. Oh, okay. That's funny. Of course they have to clarify what he says all the time because he's stumbling around not knowing what he's talking about, right? So my buddy Jim Treacher, who I follow at uh, Twitter and who follows me, responds to White House Deputy Press Secretary with a tweet of the day saying, this is genuinely amusing. Thank you. Because you know good and well they clarify stuff when he goes off the reservation all the time because he doesn't know what's going on. So if the clarifications are not issued without his direct approval, and somebody else says here, Biden needs to walk back the walkbacks, but that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. So once again, thank you, Red River, your way, for uh, sponsoring 
the tweet of the day. Now, I've been promising you I, I got to get to this, uh, this quick synopsis of what happened with Michael Sussman today. Technofog over at Substack. I can't remember what the guy's real name is, but uh, anyway, he's been going by Technofog for years. Has the article entitled, Michael Sussman has been acquitted. He says the acquittal is no surprise. This is a D.C. jury, after all. In the Roger Stone case, for example, we documented how a juror lied to get on the panel. But that judge didn't care. Making matters worse, the Sussman judge wrongly allowed for a woman to remain on the jury despite the fact that her daughter and Sussman's daughter are on the same high school crew team. In other words, they they row. It's a sport. One can't help but think that juror had her own daughter's interests in mind, the cohesion of the crew team, when she reached the decision on the verdict. On the facts, there was more than sufficient evidence to prove Michael Sussman's guilt. He lied to then-FBI General Counsel James Baker in order to get a meeting to pass the Alpha Bank hoax materials to the FBI. Sussman lied again during the meeting, stating he was not there on behalf of a client in order to get the FBI to open an investigation into the Trump Organization's purported ties with Russia's Alpha Bank. Later, during testimony to Congress, Sussman admitted he met with James Baker on behalf of a client. Billing records proved he had been working on the Alpha Bank project on behalf of the Clinton campaign. I won't say the verdict doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It would have proven that a D.C. jury could actually convict one of their own. It would have resulted in accountability for lying to the FBI, not the gravest of crimes, but still a crime. In large part, the prosecution of Sussman was hamstrung by the FBI's investigation into the Alpha Bank allegations. That goes to materiality. How can the lies be material if the FBI's investigation was so sloppy? Answer? They were material because the lies helped open the investigation in the first place. On the issue of materiality, look to the testimony of FBI Special Agent Curtis Hyde, whose repeated requests to interview the source of the Alpha Bank information were repeatedly denied by FBI headquarters. They didn't want this thing thoroughly vetted. Even though the investigation was open because of their demands. As we stated during the trial, relatively early on in the investigation, September 26, 2016, Agent Hyde sent a message to Joe Pienka requesting an interview of the source of the Alpha Bank white papers. By that time, Agent Hyde knew the white paper was bunk. He received no response from his superior, Joe Pienka, at the FBI. He repeated this Request about a week later, October 3rd, 2016, Agent Hyde's requests were rebuffed by his liaison at FBI headquarters. Now, that's not to say the public hasn't benefited from the trial. The information disclosed during the trial was important to understand the broader Clinton Fusion GPS Perkins Coie effort to poison the public, the press, and the FBI with their Trump-Russia lies. This included, number one, 
data from the executive office of the President of the United States, including data from the Trump transition period, was exploited by Michael Sussman and Rodney Jaffe and then passed on to the CIA. Number two, Rodney Jaffe was a longtime confidential human source to the FBI and generally a resource to the FBI. Jaffe worked for the FBI on cyber threats from countries like Russia. From former FBI agent Grasso, quote, I'm sure the work that Jaffe did touched on matters having to do with Russia, unquote. Number three, Jaffe went to great lengths to make sure the Russia Alpha Bank information be provided to the FBI did not go through his official FBI handler. Okay? Number four, the decision to open the investigation came from FBI leadership. According to one FBI agent, people on the seventh floor, that's where the director and the other higher-ups of the FBI have their offices, to include director are fired up about this server. Number five, Perkins Coie partner Mark Elias provided updates on the Fusion GPS so-called research to the Hillary Clinton campaign. And number six, Hillary Clinton herself approved of the strategy to disseminate the Alpha Bank allegations to the media. According to her former assistant, Robbie Mook, question, Mr. Mook, before the break, you had testified that there was a conversation in which you told Mrs. Clinton about the proposed plan to provide the Alpha Bank allegations to the media. Is that correct? Answer, correct. Question, what was her response? Answer, all I remember is that she agreed with the decision. So where does Durham go from here? That's a real question. We already know that the investigation into Rodney Jaffe remains open and that Igor Danchenko faces trial this year. Whether there is more remains to be seen. Okay, so great article, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. When he says that's not to say the public hasn't benefited from the trial, and he goes into all the things that have been proven, okay, the public does not benefit from the trial because 99% of people in America have no idea what was shown in the trial. Probably over 90% of Americans don't even realize there was a trial. And this is the problem. When we hear people who are so far into the weeds on an issue, a political issue, whether they're Democrats or Republicans, whether they're liberals or conservatives, if you watch news on cable, which a lot of us have stopped doing after Fox News stabbed us in the back on election night 2020, but whenever they interview people, Republicans or Democrats, liberals or conservatives, and you hear the people say, well, the people of America found out, or the American people want to know this, or the American people now realize this. No, they don't. The overwhelming majority are not paying attention. They don't have any idea. I was at Costco in Little Rock Sunday, and I asked a young lady who worked there, I was looking for a particular grocery item and I asked her what part of the, 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 the store to go to. 
She said, hey, I remember you. I said, yeah, I was the guy that was running for governor. And she said, was running. I said, well, yeah, the primary was Tuesday. She's like, oh, so you and the other party came to an agreement? I'm like, what? No, she defeated me in the primary. And it dawned on me, this young woman who is an adult, clearly old enough to vote, has no idea how elections work. She thought I was no longer running for governor because my opponent and I had come to some sort of agreement instead of that she defeated me in an election. No idea. No idea. I've talked to people, and she's not stupid. She's intelligent. She's just ignorant. She has no idea. Ignorance does not equal stupidity. Ignorance means I don't know. I don't know. You know, I'm ignorant of the rules of rugby. I have no idea how it's played. I'm ignorant of how to uh, play backgammon. I have no idea. It doesn't mean I'm stupid. On the campaign trail, we're running for governor. I, I, I talked to people who, when I talked about uh, Jan Morgan challenging Senator Bozeman for the Republican primary for U.S. Senate, they said, well, we're not in Senator Bozeman's district. I said, well, if you live in Arkansas, you're in his district. And they said, we thought we were in Tom Cotton's district. I said, well, each state has two U.S. senators that cover the whole state. Oh, okay. Well, then who's running against Tom Cotton this year? Well, nobody. Nobody gets to run against him until 2026. Oh, okay. They weren't stupid. They were just ignorant. They don't know. People don't know what they don't know. And so that's the challenge when you run for office. Barring some kind of uh, some kind of miracle, you need enough money to uh, beat people over the head with the point that you're trying to make. Whenever I told people that Sarah Huckabee Sanders will continue the eight years of Hutchinson, the eight years of BB and what went on with Sarah's dad of rolling over for Walmart, Tyson, and the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce, and I gave them the proof of why we expect that to happen. They're like, oh, my goodness, we didn't know that. We had no idea. Well, I mean, in that case, we'll vote for you instead of her. I mean... Wouldn't it be wonderful if she proves me wrong? Wouldn't that just be fantastic? If she proves me wrong? I, uh, I don't expect her to. I don't expect her to. Oh, we'll see.
But if she continues, if she continues. You know what uh, Asa has been doing. Then I plan to continue to be here to say. I don't. Know, I don't know if I told you so. Is the is the correct way of putting it? Because. So many people I didn't tell because they're not paying attention. You know what I'm saying? They have no idea. No idea. The overwhelming majority of people I did tell are like, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. And they acted accordingly. But uh, you can only uh, get so many people when your opponent raised about 200 times the amount of money that you raised. So it is what it is. I have no complaints. I ran for governor because I believed that that's what God wanted me to do. I still believe that. And the most important thing for me was to try to glorify God. That's it. That was the thing that I that I wanted to do. So, as Biden says he wants to ban 9mm weapons, what will state governors do to push back? What will Republican members of Congress do to push back? We'll see. And I will continue to chronicle what's going on in the state of Arkansas and the country as a whole as we continue being the voice of the resistance. You've been listening to episode 163 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. Well, that's the way it is. 
Tuesday, May 31st, 2022.